Welcome to the Kohani podcast from me, Isaac Mwema. This is where we build each other up in the faith so that we can be a holy and priestly people. This means that we strive for and are changed by God's presence while also influencing others to be changed by that same presence. I believe deep within my heart that this is a season of refreshing. It's a time for many to have their spiritual mountain to be refreshed of God. And that for many to have breakthrough and fulfillment of promise. But even so, it is preparation for the times that are ahead. It is a stopover, a Sabbath rest that is necessary for the sake of the times that are ahead. And I feel that something that is coming, and even now is, is an increase in activities of witchcraft. And when I'm saying that, there is a tendency for us to start thinking of people who look weird in underground places with, with weird totems and uh, paraphernalia and things like those. But that I'd like to suggest to you that the highest form of witchcraft happens right in our churches without knowing the highest form of witchcraft masquerades as religious Jesus had to deal with this in the course of his ministry religious men astute learned they even love God but they don't know him and therefore they end up to be agents of the wicked one Your children of your father, the devil. Jesus had to tell them that. Religious people that did not know that they were agents of the wicked one. And so Jesus showed us how to deal with such people through a life that is committed to prayer, to righteousness and the cross of Christ. And by the cross, we mean abandonment, a reckless abandonment and surrender of our selfish passions and lusts. That is the ultimate blow to such realms and dimensions of demonic activities. It is only after Jesus went to the cross that he was able to conquer such levels of demonic activities that were opposing him. So even, even up to now, the, the church that preaches Jesus and his resurrection power is the one that can be able to fight with such levels of demonic activities. That as the church exercises resurrection power through ever-growing forms of righteousness in the body, that when we are continually changed by the glory of God, we are not just coming to be appeased, to be told how good we are, to select what is itchy to our ears, to listen, but we are taking the full counsel of God and hearing and submitting. And we are growing from faith to faith. Such is a church that mingles with the glory of God. And that when we do so, when we brush shoulders with what is authentic, then we can truly know what is false. We can differentiate 
as we are told in the book of Hebrews, that by reason of maturity, we have now exercised our senses to know what is good from evil. We have now come to that place where we can test spirits. Without so, we are still in the danger of the great falling away. Revelation 19 verse 20 tells us very precisely of a false prophet that is an agent of the beast who will deceive the saints at the end of the age. Therefore, false prophetic, apostolic and teaching movements are some of the biggest arms of hell today. So there is need, there is need for the true apostolic and prophetic to arise and proclaim judgment on the sorcery that is in the land. Sorcery that even affects political leaders to hinder the move of the gospel. This is what Paul encountered in Acts chapter 13 verse 6 to 12. Bar Jesus, also known as Elimus, who appears to be one of the advisors of the Roman governor, who is an intelligent man, and therefore Elimus, whose name means know it all, Perhaps the governor likes him because of the way he is so knowledgeable and, and intuitive and, in, and, and, and informed. And therefore, to the governor, he doesn't appear as a warlock with weird charms and, 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 and things like those. But he appears knowledgeable. He appears as a man to be consulted, equipped in political strategies, but that he's there as an agent of witchcraft and the powers of darkness to make the proconsul, proconsul, the, the governor of Rome, not to hear the gospel that Paul brought to him at the beginning of Paul's uh, ministerial career. And therefore Paul had to stand by the discernment of the Holy Ghost to declare that a limus shall not have sight again. Such a prophetic and an apostolic movement needs to arise that puts to shame the false. So, witchcraft by nature disguises. It can even look like it is announcing the truth. You remember the slave girl that was following Paul. And that he was saying and shouting to people, that these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Speaks Christianese. Speaks what you want to hear. But the truth was that this girl was a fortune teller that was being used by the owners to consult mediums to tell people things about their future. Therefore, they were earning money through that. So be careful. Even... When you're, when you're seeing some of these prophetic movements that look accurate, just because they are accurate does not mean that they are sent of God. Accurate prophets don't necessarily speak for God. You remember in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 up to verse 3, if there arise among you a prophet, or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, 
and the sign of the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So it might be a test of God to prove whether you love him with everything, to make the words of a false prophet to even appear true. It says the signs will come to pass. Therefore, it is important to be watchful, important to be careful, and to make sure that we rub shoulders with truth himself, that we may know what is false. This is not a, a new example I'm giving to you. How do they train people in the central bank and just in banks in general to know the, 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 the fact not from the one that is authentic? Is by giving them the, the real not to, to hold it in their hands as much as possible, to know its texture, to know the way it feels, so that when they are counting money, even in bundles, just by touching, they can know which one is false. There's no way to know the authentic without mingling with it. The devil will appear, God sent, and that is how the church will be deceived at the end of the age. Second Corinthians 11 verse 12 to 15, Paul's, Paul warns them against Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. He masquerades himself. And he's not talking about people who are flying with brooms. He's not talking about people with pots that are boiling and they're putting rings inside or, or, or they're blowing powder in the air. No, he's talking about men who are profiting from, from speaking negative things of his ministry. False apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Let us pray for discernment. So let's pray before we begin, Lord. Shape us, change us. Make us to be a mature manhood of Christ, as we are told in Ephesians chapter 4. The reason why the gifts of the Spirit are given so that the saints may mature is so that they are not deceived by every wind of doctrine here and there. It's so that we may be established and grounded in your reality and in what is authentic. Thank you in Jesus' name. Today, we'll talk about when Jezebel attacks a church community. That she, being a witch and a sorcerer, can just be as disguised as we have talked about. We'll read from 1 Kings chapter 21. We'll also draw some inspirations from Revelation chapter 2 where Jesus says that one of the churches was attacked by Jezebel and also from Acts chapter 15 where this incident happened. And, uh, and so it happened in Acts chapter 15 and Jesus is addressing it in Revelation chapter 2. Five ways from today. But first, let's read our main text from 1 Kings 21. Uh, 1 Kings 21 about Naboth's vineyard. Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Hab, king of Samaria. So 
a vineyard representing callings and giftings of God, his birthright, beside the palace, meaning that this was springing from the kingdom of God, that these were things, God-given giftings and callings that were given unto him that even passed through lineage, they are, they are of posterity. And so they are attached to the palace of the king of Israel, meaning that they are attached to the kingdom of God. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or, if it seems good for you, to you, I will give you its value in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So this is, an, this is a loyal man doing his best to prize his inheritance and cannot just give it away like that. He's jealous over the inheritance of his fathers. Then Ahab went into his house. He was vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay down on his bed turned away his vest, his face, and uh, would not even eat food. Then Jezebel came to him and said, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, the audacity of this woman, the confidence she has, the guts she has to say that she can give the king of Israel what he wants. So this is what she did. She wrote letters in Ahab's, Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the, letter, in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying you have cast God and the king then take him out and stone him to death and the men of his city the elders and the leaders who lived in his city did as Jezebel had sent word to them it's five ways that Ahab attacks a church. Number one, she uses the shepherd's authority to make the flock to sin. The passage tells us that Jezebel wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seals and sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth. So she's using the authority of the shepherd of Israel. For the king of Israel was considered the shepherd of the people. She's using his authority to make the flock to sin. 
she's sealing the letters with her, her own seal. And therefore, it so happens that when Jezebel attacks a church, she does not start with the congregation. She will start with the leadership of the church. The elders are mentioned here. The noblemen are mentioned here. The shepherd himself is mentioned here. That she will manipulate it from the top, from the topmost place downwards. By making them to compromise, the church compromises. As the priest goes, so the people. And so she uses the authority of the shepherd to justify sin in the body. She uses authority and a seal to make people to commit murder on an innocent man. That is the Jezebel. Some of us need to question the things that we are told out of the authority of some church leaders. It is good that we respect them. It's good that we value them. It's good that we show them honor. But we have come to that place where we just blindly believe everything. A modern day believer with scriptures, with such huge value in scholarship and in reading the Bible for themselves, they are told things out of context, things out of nowhere, and they just believe it because it came with the authority and the stamp of their shepherd. Remember how the church in Berea was commended in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. They listened to Paul with all eagerness, but they were also at the same time examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Where is that church? Such is a, is a church that can fight Jezebel. They're not just impressed by intellectualism. They will not just be impressed by how many titles the pastor has. Many of us today, once we are told he has a doctorate and everything, ah, the Bible can stay aside. We'll just listen to him. Just because he has such an experience in ministry or he has some gray hair or he has many churches, now we can, we need prudence. We need to go back to the word that diligence started to show yourself approved a workman that needs not to be ashamed and to the leaders themselves the ministry leaders the pastors how are we using our godly authority jesus told peter if you love me feed my flock it's either you will feed the flock of christ or you will eat the flock Said that you'll use your authority to make them to grow and to mature in Christ, or you will want to profit from what they have. And so Ahab has grown to such kind of a carnality that he just wants what the flock has. He's no longer concerned, he's no longer compassionate about them. But see the contrast between him and Jesus as a shepherd that he saw them as sheep without shepherd, and so he wanted to. Speak to them. He wanted to feed them his word. Such a heart for a shepherd lacks. And without so, we are under the danger, shepherds, of being deceived by Jezebel. Number two. She, meaning Jezebel, 
using Christianese deceives men to use spirituality to justify sin in the church through doctrines and teachings that are opposed to the cross. That's what happened. She wrote letters giving spiritual instructions. Speaking Christianese, she was giving a spiritual instruction. Herself was a self-proclaimed prophetess. She said, proclaim me first. Set Naboth at the head of the people. Set two worthless men opposite him and let him let them bring him uh, bring a charge against him, saying, You have cast God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. It looked so holy, so righteous. They were doing what was required of the law of God. A man who has cast God and has cast the king deserved to die. And so it comes in a in a very spiritual phrasing, uh, so very spiritual framing. Proclaim a fast. Set Naboth before, be, before the people, you know, be, distinguish him before the people and set some people aside him who will make sure that they bring a charge against him. So she gives spiritual instructions, doctrines and teachings that are opposed to the cross of Christ. This is what Jesus was saying in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, and also verse 24. That I have this against you, you have tolerated the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants. Remember, it starts from the top. She'll practice sexual immorality. We're coming to talk about that. And to eat food sacrificed to idols. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. I, I love the New Living Translation. It interprets this as the deeper truths. It was a kind of doctrine that was being peddled around in Acts chapter 15. And so Jesus was commending the church in Thyatira because they would not tolerate such teachings. And therefore Jesus said that he would not lay on them any other burden. This was what happens in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, and also verse 5. Remember I told you, it doesn't look like someone uh, someone with weird black clothes and a funny hat, Harry Potter hat, you know, saying charms and abracadabra. This was the witchcraft that was happening. That in Acts 15, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So they were teaching these doctrines, despising the gospel of Christ, saying that these are the deeper truths. These are the deep things of Satan. And so they were teaching it to believers to corrode their minds, to pollute their minds from the purity of the gospel. Such is the work of Jezebel in a church. That men can now twist scriptures and verses to their liking. Haven't you heard that homosexuality is now allowed? Haven't you heard of progressivism, progressive Christianity? Twisting the word of God. You have to do a lot of work, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of 
effort is put in justifying that homosexuality is biblical. You have to twist scriptures absolutely. Even to the point of saying that Paul is just a man and therefore he cannot say the things that he said in Romans chapter 1. You have to, you have to go to further lengths of trying to twist the scripture so that it fits whatever you want. To justify that we we need to speak in tongues, you know, as a as a proof of the Holy Ghost. We even have to go to the lengths where we say that Paul, oh, you know, Paul was just a man. And so when he, when he was saying that we need an interpreter, he was speaking as a man. But but you know, so what is the what is the God breathed message of God? What is the inspired word of God anymore? Only the writings that are in red? Then what happened to divine inspiration? What happened to 1 Timothy 3 verse 16? All scripture is God breathed. Jezebel comes with funny teachings and doctrines in a church for men to justify their sins. Number three, Jezebel makes the church to harden their hearts not to repent. Even in our com- contemporary Christianity, we can be so religious, so traditional, so stuck in some certain things that when we are told, we don't want to hear anymore. First Kings 21 verse 29, we are told that Ahab humbled himself and, and, and repented. And God saw his repentance and therefore declared, declared, God declared that the disaster will not come upon his house when he's alive, but it will come during the days of his sons. Later on, we know that he got the judgment because he went on ahead to despise the work of, of Micaiah the prophet in the next chapter. But that he repented. But Jezebel, there's no account of her repenting. But Jesus tells us in Revelation chapter 2 verse 21 this, that I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent for her sexual immorality. Stubbornness, stiff nakedness, a know-it-all attitude. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 to 23 Samuel giving judgment against Saul, who thought that he would be a, the king priest, but he was not. He was not required to offer the sacrifices yet. There was a prophet priest who was Samuel who was required to do so. It was not yet time for a king priest. God did not require him to offer the things that he had gotten from battle. And he was required by Samuel to wait until he came. And so Samuel is declaring judgment that does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. This was a man with well-meaning intentions. He was told rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion. Hard-heartedness, stiff-neckedness is like the sin of divination. Arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Therefore, when, when scriptures say in, Revelations, uh, in Revelation chapter 2 that the prophetess 
is making the servants to eat food that is sacrificed to idols. It doesn't mean that the pastors are worshipping idols necessarily. But they have, they have an arrogance. An arrogance that God considers to be idolatry. They have a rebellion that God considers to be witchcraft. That is what Jezebel brings. Number four, Jezebel challenges masculine authority by making men to sell their God-given birthright for momentary pleasure and then kills them. Remember the vineyard of Naboth represented his ministry and his calling that was to be inherited generations after generations. And so Jezebel is the one that comes the audacity to tell the king that she would give him whatever he wants and therefore goes ahead to instigate things against him so that he would kill Naboth. Such is a Jezebel that challenges masculine authority in the church. She wants to make men to sell their God-given birthright by using it for their self-pleasure. There's something about using our birthright, our callings and our giftings of God for, for, for selfish pleasures. Using our titles and our authorities, our authority that God has given us, even in the marketplace. Even our title as a CEO, as an employer, as someone who is in charge of a few people, even if it is sweepers. That you use that for your own personal pleasure. Use that to oppress people, to be unjust in one way or another. So that you can step on people. So that you can be above people. To use that for your own lust. And so that you can profit and misappropriate funds. So that you can benefit from it in one way or another. There's something about using your birthright for those things. That God considers to be sexual immorality. Hebrews 12 verse 16. See that no one is sexually immoral. Or is godless as Esau. Esau never committed sexual immorality, but his act of selling his inheritance for a single meal, God considered to be sexual immorality. Therefore, when we are told that Jezebel seduces my servants to practice sexual immorality in Revelation chapter 2, it means that they sell their authority, their God-given authority for personal pleasures. She makes even pastors to use their authority for things of personal gain. And when they are compromised in their personal space, when they do things out of flesh and lust and passions, they will not have the authority to declare over congregations the righteousness and the holiness of God again. Because your authority has been depleted. Because Moses married a Midianite. How could he tell the people not to fornicate and to mingle with the Canaanites? Your authority is depleted because she gets you in your private space and so she pollutes, she, she, she dilutes your authority. And so to men today, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge for us to arise. To arise, to be jealous like Naboth of our inheritance. Our inheritance is not cheap. We will not give it away just for personal pleasure just for a few moments of momentary pleasure that we would rather, we would rather boast, as Paul said, 
in keeping ourselves pure in our calling and in our duty so that we may fulfill what God wants us to fulfill in the land. So Jezebel's other tactic is that if men keep themselves pure, she wants to kill them. Naboth kept himself pure and so she wanted to kill him. So many men today are targeted like that. That if they will not be caught one way or another in, 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 in acts of using their, their calling and their privileges and their opportunities for, 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 for self-gratification, that she would want to kill them early. So she instigated a killing against Naboth. We pray for men today that they would stand. The generations ahead deserve the figure of masculinity, that they can be taught how to pass inheritance to the next generation. Naboth was jealous about inheritance because the fathers before him were able to raise him with the knowledge of what that inheritance means. And so nowadays, Fathers just die. They die young. We never get to see our grandparents. Many of us don't get to see our fathers. They just die or are absent. Let's pray for men. Number five. Delilah, the one who deceived Samson. Delilah uses the weakness of men to make them fall short of destiny. But Jezebel uses the strength of men to control and trump others. So when Jezebel attacks a church community, she, no lo- she, she not only attacks the men, but she attacks the women by making them to use the strength of their men to control and to trump over others. So she twists the calling of women from homemakers to be homebreakers. This is what happened happened in in, in First Kings chapter twenty one. That do you now govern Israel? Rise and eat and take bread, and let your heart be cheerful, for I will give you the the vineyard of Naboth. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters. So that Naboth could be killed, she's using the right and the and the privilege of the husband to step over others and to enforce and to manipulate. So, when Jezebel attacks a church community, it looks like women who are using the authority of their husbands to step over others. Looks like women who are rising to take the figure of masculinity, to say that they don't need men anymore. It looks like women who are rising to teach the younger women that they do not need men anymore. The attacks of Jezebel in a church community. He attacks both the men with their ministry and their calling and attracts women who are supposed to be intercessors, who are supposed to be homemakers and makes them to emasculate men. Let us be watchful. Let us be careful. We pray, God, you're mighty and powerful to save even from the hands of the wicked one. Hedge these ones by your presence from the works of the enemy. We are not ignorant. Pray for the power of the Holy Ghost to endure us, to stand firm, soldiers in the army, equipped for the work of the kingdom. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.